Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Well, it's uh, January 14th, 2016. Welcome, everybody, to episode 16 of the Gellin Goose and Friends, a self-help Q&A meeting here on Talk Show number 139335. I'm your co-host, Greg, coming to you live from the birthplace of the American Bar Association and the home of Abraham Lincoln, Al Capone, the Untouchables, and Operation Greylord, where the motto is, vote early, vote often, even when you're dead. The primary focus of this call is to discuss mortgage foreclosure and defense and attack strategies and related experiences, in which we hope some questions and answers might be addressed in this one-hour program. This call is not associated with Neil, Living Lies, his law firm, or other interests, or any other legal or accounting entity, and is the sole responsibility of this private group of friends who is constituted. All opinions here are those of the participants alone, no official accounting or legal advice is given here. If you need a lawyer or a CPA, please hire one authorized to work in your state. Please remember that this call is being recorded for rebroadcast, and we don't recommend disposing your private contact information. If you desire to contact other participants in this call, please email the host, and we will do our best to, come to connect with you offline also, for older recordings of the show, please go to www.talkshoe.com slash tc slash 139335, and you can look at the list and download those calls. Tonight, we'll be recapping recent headlines and foreclosure and homeowners' victories against bad bankers and have open mic for everybody to contribute. We'll start the call out with everybody muted to go over the headlines first, and then, when ready for questions, just press star 8 on your phone to raise your hand to speak. This will place you into the queue, and you'll be brought into the call in the order of your request. Thank you all for being here tonight. Let's try to help each other, and let's begin with some headlines. First, I want to remind everyone that last week we had a very special guest, Scott, a recent expatriate from 17 years in the mortgage banking industry. Scott covered things in his call, like lack of disclosure and consideration, substitution of contracting partners, unfunded loan agreements, non-existent trusts, securitization and bifurcation, and much more. We recommend going back to the TalkShoe website, 139335, and downloading the recording of that episode, number 15, to grab some golden nuggets for yourself. Also, I want to remind everyone again that uh, January 13th was 
the happy birthday of the Jezinovsky Supreme Court ruling in which uh, the unanimous Supreme Court decided that a rescission is final upon mailing and that the bank has 20 days to either begin the process of unwinding the loan or file their complaint or motion to fight against it in a court of law. That's a marvelous thing. And the nation is still waking up to how that works. Mostly, uh, I think, the, it's the folks on the benches that are still trying to resolve it in their minds with common law rescission, where we have most of the difficulty. But uh, like everything else, the, the wheels of justice turn slowly. We also want to recognize, uh, just previous to this call, Neil, Neil had another nice call on Taylor rescission and a discussion of the unlawful Multnomah County settlement with MERS. So you might want to go back and listen to that on his uh, Living Lives WordPress uh, blog. Uh, there's a link to the recording on the site. <coughs> um, something was very disturbing, I found. Uh, Chase was foreclosing at the end of December. Actually, they did this on on Christmas Eve to a 70-year-old woman who is a Vietnam War hero's uh, widow. Her name is Brenda Reed. And uh, her website is victoryoverchase.blogspot.com. Um, I was just aghast. I mean, check out just this short quote. Shortly after the mortgage loan was made in October of 2007 by the alleged lender called WMBFA, Reed's note was endorsed in blank by a woman named Cynthia Riley as vice president of the non-existent WMBFA. However, Ms. Riley's employment with WMBFA and WMB just happened to have been terminated the previous year in November of 2006 prior, a year prior to the date of the mortgage. So she was neither employed by J.P. JP Morgan Chase Bank during that period or any of those other entities. And Riley, in a sworn deposition in a Florida case, revealed this employment. So she admitted that she wasn't working there, <laughs> although her signature was on, on the uh, endorsement. So Mrs. Reed contacted U.S. Senators Diane Feinstein and Barbara Boxer in California um, to ask for their assistance, and nothing came from repeated requests. She filed complaints with the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, and there was no help. So she sent a, uh, an email to President Obama in November of 2014. The White House figured out which bank was involved and sent a referral to the CFPB on Reed's behalf with a letter to expedite because of her military affiliation. Then the bank refused to speak with her attorney and made little effort to work with her or the attorney, only leaving garbled, inaudible messages on her answering machine. So frustrated and angry, she has now emerged as a foreclosure warrior fighting for herself and other homeowners in distress. So all you folks out on the West Coast, you might want to take and listen in on that and uh, see how that's going. Um, and finally, on a very funny kind of a little vignette by an attorney, Rich Vetstein, in Massachusetts, he made a bunch of parallels between um, some new 
um, legislation in Massachusetts and uh, Star Wars. And uh, I'll try to read that to you. Um, HTTP Mass Real Estate Law Blog dot com slash two two zero one five slash twelve slash two seven slash the dash force dash of dash law dash awakens dash annual dash year dash in dash review. And I'm I'm guessing if you didn't get all the end stuff there, you could probably just go to masterrealestatelawblog.com and go look it up. But one of the interesting things that was there is that in a major foreclosure decision, the Supreme the Supreme Judicial Court of uh, Massachusetts ruled in a case uh, between uh, Pinty and Emigrant Mortgage Company, Inc., that a lender's defective notice of default is grounds to void and nullify a foreclosure sale. This is so even after the property was purchased at auction by a third party without knowledge of the defect. And this ruling has resulted in two of the leading title insurance companies, First American and Fidelity Chicago Title, deciding to restrict underwriting title to all foreclosed properties without further proof. Pretty interesting. So, there's kind of like uh, what I found uh, kind of cool. Oh, and of course, then you have the uh, nifty uh, Illinois issues between the Illinois Supreme Court rulings and the uh, appellate court of upholding the Teeler rescission here in Illinois, which is uh, a real breath of fresh air and some sunlight coming through a, a dirty window finally. So we're pretty happy to hear that. And uh, I posted a number of links um, to uh, the chat board uh, before the call began. So folks can always go look at those. Um, and if you can't find that, use Chat Grabber. I believe it's simply just chatgrabber.com. And uh, you can go back later on and uh, grab all of those different things. All righty. So with that, I'm going to bring Neva on. And uh, what do you think there, Gal? Well, I was reading that um, one about the uh, 70-year-old woman um, uh-huh. who is the wife of a deceased Vietnam vet. Mm-hmm. And not going that good. Uh, even with the president behind it, it's not going that good. The arrogance of the banks is amazing. Absolutely amazing. You receive a letter from the president of the United States and you just blow it off too? Something that was pretty interesting, yeah. Yeah, something's got to be done about them. It's going to have to be draconian. Somebody's going to have to go to jail. That's the only way I think it's going to get completely resolved. The other thing that you and I were talking about earlier is the possible currency resets that are coming up this spring and how that's going to affect the foreclosures and, for that matter, our money. Uh, does this mean that our debts will be transferred over into yuan's? Uh, that should be interesting. Or, or, or will they all be all of a sudden uh, five cents on the dollar? <laughs> uh, exactly. Exactly. Um, so if you didn't buy any silver, you need to buy some or some gold. And don't put it in a bank. You'll only get into trouble with that. 
because that could happen like it did in the uh, Depression, where they decided that it was a, an order from the government that you had to give in your gold. Um, the problem was they told they told everyone they were going to get their gold back, but they didn't get their gold back. So we don't want to do that either. No, it's a hat check. You put your value into the thing, they give you a hat check credit for it or a seat. But then you never get your hat back. That's right. And we don't want to do that either. Um, I think uh I think Kathy had some statements made on that one. Um, with the regard to the uh widow, um she's now become a fighter too. And you said something about she had a website? Right. Right. What was the name of it? Oh, it was fairly simply named. Um, let me find it. Victoryoverchase.blogspot.com. Victoryoverchase at blogspot. No, dot blogspot. Dot blogspot. Dot com. All right. Okay. I presume that's another uh, blog uh, type like we yeah, have. That's her, own, that's her own personal blog where she's doing it out there trying to recruit help for herself and other Californians. Oh, she's stuck in California too. Uh, yeah, you know, you've got to give the woman credit. She's 70 years, 70 years old and uh, hasn't lost the fight. So she still has her house. Um, kind of, sort of. I don't know how that's shaking out right now. Okay. Um, as I said, I emailed her, and she emailed me back, and hopefully we'll have a conversation. And we might be able to have her come on next week or soon and uh, tell her story and enlighten people about some of the things she has discovered in the California foreclosure nightmare. Okay. I have her website up. Interesting website. Um something that we can all look at. Very interesting. Right, and another ally in the fight, you know. Another nice 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 lady to know. Um we're gonna we have a question from mid southeast Texas. Okay. Uh welcome to the call. Well thank you very much. Um I was calling in reference to your call last week where Scott um, said that you could verify the non-existence of a trust by checking with the Secretary of State's office in New York or Delaware to see if they were registered. And I have an attorney in New York and queried him about it, and he said, no, trusts don't have to register with the Secretary of State in the state of New York, and that's where 95% of the trusts reside. So I just wonder... Uh, I'd like to have a resolution between those two contradictory things. Mm, that's a good point. Uh, um, maybe we misunderstood what he meant by registration. Um, we'll have to send him an email and ask him. Well, he was. Uh, I'd certainly be able to use that argument, but uh, according to my New York attorney, I cannot because it's meaningless.
Well, we'll send Scott an email and ask him about that. Yeah, we will. Uh, did the attorney give you any statutes? Um, he didn't give me a statute. He just said that there's no requirement. Uh, I mean, if, if he knew of no requirement, he'd know of no statute. Well, Seems to me it would be a positive thing that there'd have to be a requirement that they do it, and he said he didn't think he knew of no such requirement. I guess we could find out from the SEC. Well, I would actually try to find out from the Secretary of State. I think that that's the horse's mouth on the question. Ask the Secretary of State of New York the should be or registered, and if so, in what form and how? Yeah, because maybe it's registered with something else. Good point. You never know. Oh, yeah, maybe they just register with MERS. (laughs) 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 Maybe there's a thing called TERS. You know? <laughs> the placement you know? press not have to be registered. That's how they avoided registration with the SEC's office. Is private placement trust under 250? What there was no requirement for them to register with the SEC. Okay. Because, why? Because they're being treated as a private trust. Well, I'm not sure exactly the reason. I just know that. The private trusts that were under, um, I believe it was 250, were not required to register with the SEC, and that's how they avoided the SEC rules and regulations. Well, I know here in Illinois, two of my trusts are uh, private, and uh, they're actually uh, uh, foreign to Illinois and to the United States. And so they're not registered. However, there's a mailing location for the office of the trustee, and that's about it. Okay. Um, Well, let's just put it this way. There's got to be a way around it. Well, I think what everybody is trying to do is just try to find some official government verification that these entities actually exist yeah, and, are being, and are being handled in a lawful fashion. It would seem to be there has to be some regulation for them. Remember looking up the New York law on trusts, um, which right. they, they, during the, standing in front of the judge, they don't want to hear about the fact that it's a New York trust and it's under New York law. Uh, but that is the way it is. I'm trying to remember the New York law. I think I had it an exhibit on one of my one of my pleadings. And then, of course, uh, having a special status as a remic, a special kind of trust, is a whole other thing pertaining to federal registration with the IRS. The right, the remic trust. 
Uh-huh. And they're, of course, registered with the SEC. Right. Remick Trust are. Now, here we go. I just figured it out. It's a Remick Trust. Any old trust may not be what we want, but it's a Remick Trust. New York Law, Remick Trust. Well, there's that Wait. article. Remember the Dirt Lawyers and Dirty Remicks? Uh-huh. We, that, was, that was out on the blog there for a couple of... Okay, so, yeah, right. I think you do have to be registered if they're a Remick. Well, what is interesting? What was interesting when Scott said Scott said he went through that process, and mm-hmm. that he found um, no evidence through the Secretary of State's office or um, uh, the registration services, and then and he did a, a Freedom of Information Act about the existence of the trust being a New York trust, and nobody had any information on that just generally from the state. And then he contacted the SEC, the Security and Exchange Commission, who then told him that they have they don't verify any of the information being published on their site or within their agency. And there's no way to prove anything that anybody claims on there to be true. It's just what they put up there, and so that's kind of a willy-nilly kind of a way to do things. <laughs> okay, an entity registered at all times during the tax year under the Investment Company Act of 1940. This is under IRS law, publication 938. Who may request information? And then it tells you how to request information. Use the directory to find the representative of the REMIC or issuer of the CDO. All right. So there's more stuff to drill down into here. And what website did you find that at? IRS.gov. All right. Publication 938. You want to read me the URL? I'll type it onto the chat board. Uh, www.irs.gov forward slash publications forward slash small p 938. Hold on. Hold on. You're going way quicker than I can go. Okay. I'm at irs.gov forward slash slash. publications plural forward slash then a small p then the number 38 forward slash ar02.html ar02 Correct, .html. And it lists other things in this particular page to look up to with regard to the Remick Trust. And you can request information. I'm almost there. (laughs) Okay. 
trying to get it to the link. There we go. This, uh, the chat board wants you to put HTTP in front of everything. Yeah, HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash. Oh, it's an S. Okay, I'll do it again. S. On forward slash, forward slash. Then the thing. All right. Okay. There we go. <laughs> you should get on the chat board so you can just taste them in there yourself. Anyway, um, so what else would we like to chat about tonight, guys, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? Anything, anybody else catch any new headlines or interesting topics? Or would you like to bring up something that's been on the other blogs that we participate in that you think is really helpful? As we say, this is your show. (laughs) Where everybody gets to throw their two cents in and turn it into 50 bucks. Um. Has there been any decisions or any news out of several critical cases in California? Evanova is one that comes to mind. Has anybody heard anything on that case? You mean as it comes out of an appellate thing? Right. I think it's before the California Supreme Court. Okay. I haven't seen anything on it. There was a comment on the uh, I forget if it was on I think it was on that woman's website on Deb Reed's website um, where they were just saying that uh, if they would just uh, unseal some of these foreclosure wins that homeowners have already had and allow them to act as precedent and be able to be used as a referral and a citation in some of these cases that we could get moving a lot quicker. But um, the majority of the, sealed. <laughs> the, the majority of the homeowner cases that win get sealed and uh, or specifically noted as not to be cited as reference. <laughs> you know, for the life of me, I can't understand why. I almost feel like the the judges think that they're like the little boy who puts his finger in the dike. And when they see a a leak spring, they put their finger in it. And they know that if they don't keep doing that, the whole dike's going to come down, you know. But why they put that upon themselves to, they're supposed to be neutral. (laughs) They're not supposed to be, uh, you know, running around uh, doing that. Anyway, yeah, unfortunately, trusts have different purposes, and one trust is not the same as all other trusts. So, 
We're talking REMIC trusts. Mm-hmm. And that's a different... Well, North Carolina, would you like to throw two cents in here? Or are you just are you just hanging out listening? Just hanging out listening. Um, I wonder if there's any other common, I mean, any other cases that have a across the board uh, gag order on them. Like what's coming up? That's more of just a curiosity, but. Well, I don't know about gag orders, but um, when they take and they make a decision to have a case be either sealed or to be used only for itself and not to be used as reference, um, they're taking away the opportunity for that to add into and become part of the case law history of the state. Um There is discretion that they allow these people through the uh, civil procedures to these judges that they can get away with that. So is that just for legal proceedings or could a journalist cite that case? Oh, I'm certain that you could drag it all over the news. Not like a gag order on it. Okay. It's just, uh, it's just saying that you can't use it for a reference in another court case or a citation. Yeah, I've noticed in Westlaw, as a reference, there's there's tons of cases that you sort of get that blackout on them. Yeah, that's the way it goes. Well, on a totally unrelated thing, if you just want to hear something interesting, I went out this morning and uh, there was a Denver Buddha in my car. (laughs) I was like, what the heck is going on here? And so I hadn't received any notices or anything or any tickets or whatever. And uh, I went on to the uh, city of Chicago's website and there's like three minor speeding tickets on one of the on these stupid speed cameras that they installed all over the city. And uh they never mailed me anything and and so because they're from like June, July and August of last year they decided to come and uh and do this. And so tomorrow morning I get to go spend six hundred and fourteen dollars to get my car unbooted. Do you think maybe related to some harassment because of house issues? No, I'm sure that the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. Uh-huh. The city is just in a big fundraising mood. And uh, what is all that noise? So, so doing forty, so doing forty and a thirty will cost you two hundred and forty dollars.
It's kind of fun, ain't it? Yeah. Well, around here they harass you. Police harass you. Yep. Okay, so how about some new interesting viewpoints on foreclosures, trusts, taxes? Um, Neely, you've been working on trying to, since last week, you were trying to work on getting your property taxes paid, and you had a goofy thing happen. You want to share that? Sure. I uh, had been uh, researching the fact that uh, you want to be paying your taxes because when the thing blows up, you want to be on the taxes. In other words, you're paying the insurance company and the tax, tax man, not the servicer. If the servicer pays the taxes, it gives them a first lien on the property. So we don't want that. I tried to pay my taxes, but they beat me to it because I went to my bank and they let me pay it there, but they send it by mail. I didn't know that. I thought it was going to go through electronically. It did not, so I missed out on the taxes. But I did find out from speaking to the horse's mouth down at the tax office, uh, a woman told me, she said, these people will never pay earlier than December. So we send the thing out around the 10th of November. So you just pay it in November and you will beat them to it. So that's what we're doing in November. Um, I did call my insurance company and told them that I want to be, I don't want my my servicer as the lost payee on my insurance because I'd heard these horror stories like somebody gets a tree through their roof or there's a fire in the house and they send the check to the servicer and to you and they're supposed to share it or they're supposed to give it to you, period, so you can fix the house and they won't. They keep the money and you can't get it. So now... I will be the first party to receive the check. Here's the other thing. No one can access my records at the insurance company office without my permission. They have to talk to me first. Because I had read somewhere that sometimes the servicer has a way directly into the client's file at the insurance company, which is outrageous in my opinion, and I figured that I would go around the end zone on that. So I have been assured that no one will access my file without letting me know. And hmm. I don't know if that's true, but we shall see. Hi, I'm Debbie from Maryland, and I just did that. And they ask you specifically, and then I you get this paper from them when they deal with your hazard, and they have their interest. And so I have to call and change that tomorrow that they are not in my insurance. You mean the servicer? Yes. Because okay. I was following what it said in the paper, and it has in there the interest, you know, the parties of interest and all that at the bottom of it. Like you're following and you're doing, quote, what would be the right thing, but with them it's never the right thing. Oh, I agree with you there. I better look at my my uh, declaration page more closely just in case somebody's come up. Because you know what? You A lot of times when people are doing the right thing, they're doing the wrong, they're doing the wrong thing because it's against themselves. Well, the other thing is that you're supposed to talk to this stupid servicer about this, but they won't ever answer you, you know? Hmm. What do you have to do with that? Well, you or you end up talk, you'll, you'll end up talking to somebody in the Philippines or India or something who doesn't know anything about it. Well, I looked it up, and, it, and I shouldn't have done it. It's what, I sh- what I'm lo- listening to you. I shouldn't have done it. I should have just left it as it is. And then I learned that Wells Fargo was on there, and I've never seen Wells Fargo. 
Well, that's because there are so many entities now involved with all of our mortgages and notes that actually when you make a payment, it's spliced up to God only knows how many different entities that they don't tell you about, which that's not okay either. But I don't really care what they like and they don't like anyhow. I'm going to send them a letter. I just sent the rescission letter in, um, and I'll just send them a letter that says I'm going to pay the I paid the insurance and I'm going to pay the taxes. I no longer want your escrow account. See ya. And I'm not going to add anything further into it. Um, I learned I learned something about um, credit swaps and how when they set up these trusts and they set up a trigger with the insurance and when they do the multiple trusts, they all trigger at the same time and that the whole thing was planned from the beginning that the homeowner would go into default. So it would trigger all the insurance across the multiple series of trusts that they put your one trust in. That's exactly correct. And that's why they always file the assignment after they file the, the foreclosure lawsuit against you because they don't have any of their documentation done. So they've got to make a trail and they kind of wait to afterwards. By the way, that means they have absolutely no standing. And if you bring that up in a court of law, that will probably fly. It flew on my case. It's true because they're supposed to do it before they file. That's right. By way of the date. Well, they also did an assignment on mine where they put the wrong entity that it was assigned to. Fund, I mean. Well, you know, earlier tonight, earlier tonight when Neil was talking with uh, his guest, they were describing in different states there are different rules with regard to assignments. In some states, you must uh, they must do an assignment recorded in the county record. Other states, they can just do an assignment and not record it. Um, but then what happens is a lot of these organizations don't do an assignment, but then say they did an assignment and they robo-sign fraudulently backdate everything and create a document that didn't exist at the time when it was supposed to. That's right. And so, so and then you have people uh, swearing that certain business records are true and correct when they submit them into the court file to show that you defaulted on your loan and they have no first hand knowledge of any of that stuff. That's right. I mean it would be it would be like me swearing an oath that I read the Chicago Tribune this morning and it's exactly what it says. What Isn't do I that know called about the hearsay law? Yes. Yeah, but they but they let people get away with it, right. Yeah. Hey, they went into my transcript and changed stuff in it or took out stuff. They took out my statement out of the transcript. Wow. Yeah, wow is right. Well, we've I've gone to court with a number of people, and we have learned how to um, depose judges by way of finding out what their oath of office is. And unfortunately, I live in Montgomery County, Maryland, and Debilis seems to be the, the judge that signs off on things. And they're very, um, most of the judges have pensions, and a lot of these things are in their pensions. They should, they sh they should uh, recuse themselves. That's right. But they don't. Oh, have it. They are all invested in mortgage-backed securities on their pension plan. And my, my judge was involved with the lawsuit, 
of all the all the uh, county clerks and all the judges and all the people in the in the state that are in that union sued Bank of New York Mellon for selling them bad mortgage-backed securities. Yes, I read that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's ridiculous. That means all the judges know exactly what's going on. No matter how much they try to look dumb, they're not dumb. To a point, I think, as far as details, but I think they're more invested in the fact that their pension could be involved in this. Oh, I think so. I think so. I also here's know an that inter- here's, an interesting com- here's an interesting comment from David Bellinger. He's a drag. Um, I just went on to the Delaware corporate site to see something that was bothering him. He says he has a 2005 mortgage that says MERS means Mortgage Electronic Registration Systems, Inc., and it's organized and existing under the laws of Delaware. So after looking through the Secretary of State of Delaware's records, there's no such entity. (laughs) Right. Right. And they're also, and obviously they have to be registered with the SEC and the IRS. So I think we were leaving out the word REMIC before. Right. I think that's or, because there isn't a REMIC. There are no REMICs. Well, there it are no REMICs. But they're still representing that there are trusts. And we're just saying, if you want to prove that the trust doesn't exist, you have to make sure that you're looking for the rules on REMIC trusts, not some other mm-hmm. trust. Right. Well, it says I was sharing with um, Scott about this um, forensic examination I found for Oscawala, Florida. And it talks about mirrors a lot. And at the and when it talks about mirrors, when it gets to about I don't know somewhere in that document because it's three it's three or four documents together. But it says that it's so that at the end they can then hit up the remic or the tax money from the trust that that wasn't a trust. In fact, it's all about the insurance and the money and the credit swaps. A lot of a lot of the quote so-called alleged trusts were were shaped around. Insurance and credit swaps. No right. money, no cash. Right. And so they can't foreclose on you. And all these the later foreclosure suits are always XYZ trust versus uh, the homeowner. And I know that because somebody sued me that way. Hmm. And then I got a settlement, um. which was awful. And then six or eight months later, they put a phony fee on my on my statement, which is not allowed under the settlement agreement, and then they wouldn't answer three certified letters where I said, what what the hay is with the $55 fee you're not supposed to have on there and other violations. And they never, they sent me a boilerplate letter with no signature and date that said we have 20 more days to answer. Twice they sent me that. And so I sued them for breach of contract. And I'm still in appeal and everything else, so. We don't know where it's going from here. I'm waiting to hear. Isn't life fun playing with these people? They steal your life every day. That's right. I totally agree with you. It gets very tiresome dealing with this on a daily basis. You feel exhausted. Well, I, 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 go ahead, Greg. Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, and we have our state officials called police officers that are part of white-collar crime. 
mm-hmm. in most of our states that are alleging and allowing as they sit by and go forth in their car with their lights on, breaking and entering and seizing people's property, changing their locks and trashing it out. Mm-hmm. That's uh, oh, Greg had someone who got into his house. I know. I listened to him. He said he went to his mom's house one night or evening to do some work for her, and when he came home to a house, there was no house. Right. There was nothing left in the house. They're driving well, all around my property. Well, it was, no, there wasn't nothing left in the house. There was a lot of things left in the house. Well, a they home has grabbed, stuff in it. A house is just a structure. <laughs> well, but uh, they stole around $15,000 worth of musical instruments and shotguns and family well, and they use the local neighborhood criminals, organized crime criminals and rings to do the dirty work. Well, they actually arrested a girl, a woman who was in here. They found DNA evidence and they arrested her and they won't prosecute her. You know? No. So. I've had a hell of a time uh, going to the commissioner and stuff like that. The police gave me the runaround. They didn't want me to do a report on my own burglary. Yeah. By the way, for your information here in South Carolina, you know, the DA's officer or whatever is usually called the solicitor. Now, if there's a crime around me, I call the solicitor's office and, and give them the information on the crime. Really? Where's that at? South Carolina? Carolina. That's what I do. Because the the solicitor's office is the lawyers, and they don't like what a lot of the cops are doing. So that's where I report stuff. I was being stalked for 18 months, and the police... They're doing just- that to me right now. Yeah. And I, one of my neighbors is an agent to this um, substitute trustee in, in, in uh, <clears throat> real estate office, and so they watch when you leave and when you come and when you go and so on. Yes, uh, but I reported it to the solicitor's office, and that, that stopped. But that wasn't in, entirely because of the house. That was because of a UPS driver who has issues, and he's gone. I don't know where he went, but in any event, I'm not being stalked anymore. I keep binoculars um, right near the front window. Mm-hmm. If anybody pulls up and starts, you know, checking out my house, I bring out the binoculars and I go outside on the front step and I put the binoculars on and stare right at them and they all leave. Hmm. I'm also oh, armed. I'm also armed. If anybody breaks in my house, we have a person in the neighborhood who has done a lot of breaking and entering. Mm-hmm. I have a gun to protect myself. Well, it's called the Castle Law, and it's called Eminent Domain, and you have the right. And we have a lot of criminals, and I'm, I have been thinking very seriously about getting a gun. That's yeah. why, I, specifically, because we have somebody who that doesn't that doesn't exist in all states. No, it doesn't. So don't don't uh, get people all excited about that. It's it's um, viable in my state, and we now have they've expanded the Castle Law here. So if somebody comes on your property, you can shoot them also. They don't have to be inside the house. But I don't know about other states. And it's Chicago first laws forever. No, this this place is just ridiculous. It has terrible laws with it's, regard. It's, it's okay. It's okay to shoot, you know, citizens, but it's not okay for citizens to shoot other citizens when they're being threatened or attacked. You know. There's lots of lots of uh, Illinois folks who have gone to prison, even even though what they did was justified. 
Well, and that's what they do in the big cities, and that part of the reason that's they get away with that is because the police department has a lot to do with it. The police do not want you to have a gun. No matter what they tell you, they don't want you to have a gun because all they can think of is that they're going to get their asses shot. Right. Well, that's why you need a shotgun with, you know, a tiny bird shot so you don't have to aim very well in the middle of a dark room. Somebody breaks into your house, you go bang. You know, make sure you got it properly registered and everything. But, uh, you know, the pro- you don't want to have bullets. Bullets, you know, are like, you know, it's a you have to hit perfectly where you're shooting. And if you do hit well, you kill the guy. And uh, you'd rather just disable him, knock him down, get yourself, a set, you know, some duct tape or some handcuffs and tie his hands behind his back and call 911. You know? Good luck with that, Greg. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's the best. I'm saying it's the best you can do. All right. No. If he comes in my you house, he me. Then he can't testify. In South, yes, in South Carolina, I'm sure that you can do that. You can. In Illinois, they don't want you to do that. Um, they hurt you if you do. Well, now, do they? Okay. New York. Do sure. they have a solicitor's office in every state? Well, the solicitor's office is in place of what we, in, what do they call it in Chicago, the assistant DA? Or the, the state's attorney? Mm-hmm. Assistant DA or state's attorney. That's what the solicitor is in South Carolina. But that, that we call it solicitor. But okay. in New York State, it's the state's attorney. I used to live in New York. In San Francisco, it's the state's attorney. Okay? And you can contact them. I don't know if uh, Kathy is still on the call. I had a question. You had a comment uh, the other day, um, yesterday, um, actually earlier today. I apologize, earlier today, where you were commenting on the phrase, we are landowners, where you said, are you sure about that? Could we, in fact, be renters? It would go quite a distance to explain why they're going after the land. (laughs) Do you have anything to add to that? Oh, I read that because somebody, and then the response was, aren't we really just renters? <laughs> and when, worse than that, we're not even paying the landlord. We don't know where our money's going. But, and but we have just, right to ask. <clears throat> I was just wondering if she would add anything to that. Are you there, Kathy? I don't think she is. Oh, she's still on board. Okay. Says West North Carolina is signed off. If that's who she is. No. West okay. North Carolina is someone else. Okay. Uh Well, evidently, uh, nobody has any, you know, meat and potatoes things they want to go over anymore. Well, um, I know. Is Scott on the line? Nope. Nope. Okay. I'll talk to him when he talks to me. He had he had told me that when I do um, another debt validation letter, to mm-hmm. do it to the people in my um, PSA to add, you know, so... That's what we were talking about. 
Well, the only thing is the people in the PSA, a lot of them are, you know, they're just not around anymore. Or a lot of them are bankrupt. That's yeah. why Aquan is the debt servicer and called a master servicer, which Scott and I were talking about. There's no such thing, Aquan. Well, All right, well, if you're having an action taken against you already, if you have somebody has filed. Um, no, there isn't. There isn't. And even on my um, the bottom of my statement, it says, this is an attempt to collect the debt and information obtained. But then it says, at the bottom, it says, um, what did I? It said that um, the first notice of or filing required applicable by law for the foreclosure process has not been made. Is that not interesting? Yes, that's very interesting. Say that again, please. The first notice or filing required by applicable law for the foreclosure process has not been made. Okay. Applicable law is going to be one, uh, you know, something to look at there for your state about foreclosure. So um, what they're trying to do is seize my property underhanded and illegal. Well, that's standard procedure. <laughs> of course, for them. And because I asked the people who take these pictures, because they're, they're not all of them strange or weird. A couple of them are. But um, one guy was there with his kids in the car on a Saturday, and I was outside, and I said, what are you doing? And he told me, and I said, "Who's he's taking pictures. And he, I said, by who? And he said, PHH, and they're under a... Um, he showed me a document. I said, do you have another one? He said, no. He said, take a picture. I took a picture, and it was it's PHH, and um, they have a company that they have filed under, which is whom he is working for at that point, and they're like a former LPS or doctor. Oh. oh, wonderful. So, see, a court, but a court, aside from that, I would never know. Yeah, well, you see, from what I've been reading, there are so many entities involved in the middle of our money stream that it's just because you send a check to Aquin or whatever for your mortgage, it doesn't mean Aquin gets all of that money. Well, they never talk anyway. Among themselves, they really never connect. They don't know. So the servicer doesn't necessarily tell, quote, the so-called lender what they're doing. They want their own money. They they frequently steal it, as far as I can tell. Well, that's what they want to do. They they want to pocket things. And they get what away. Also very, what also is interesting is that when typically when a foreclosure action takes place, if you read the PSA agreements for the trustees of the trusts, they're not responsible, nor are they authorized to take any legal actions against any of the homeowners. None of them. But the cases are always brought in their name. So who initiated the foreclosure? Who hired the lawyer? You can you can bet your bucks that it's gonna be the servicer. But they avoid putting your name in there now. So that you know, I mean Aquin has got enough heat, MERS has got enough heat, so they just hide. They they basically you know, and they're all debt collectors, they, officially. They, they, yeah, but they pour the gasoline on it, they light the match and throw it on there, 
And then they walk away and go, no, I didn't do that. <laughs> of course. And, and it, well, and that goes to show, too, that it also, I was reading that the documents that they send it, um, you only have about a year to collect them up and send them in, that they're unsigned because they're illegal. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you get any communication from companies like Aquin, it's usually unsigned and undated. I also noticed that with American Home Mortgage, same thing. Those documents. Well, I wonder. I, I wonder if you sent a letter. I wonder if you sent a letter for information to the trustee, like U.S. Bank or any of those people, right? Sent it to their legal department and said, saying, "I want you to show where you filed a foreclosure action against me." Right? Will you authorize that to happen? Okay. And they might write you back and go, "We never did. We don't know what you're talking about." Well, all and then of them. You go into court. Go into court with a document and go look. <laughs> this lawyer is representing an entity, and the entity says that they don't know anything about it. That's actually happened quite a bit. You, they don't tell you about it, but it has. You frequently find the lawyer does not represent the entity you think they represent. Uh, I think Jan Van Eck mentioned that too. The like, for instance, in the case of Aquin. Aquin has multiple companies, and they just refer to all of them as Aquin. Well, that may not be the company that's doing whatever it's supposed to be doing with your, with your mortgage and loan. They they just call themselves Aquin, and there are all kinds of entities. One of the things I tend to do when I do send debt validation letters and all of that is I send them to the the ones the address they give me. Like if I were sending it to PHH, I would send it to their New Jersey address, but I send it to their corporate address as well. The same thing with Aquin. And then one West, Aquan, HSBC, and another one, they're in bed down in in Florida. I right. I already mentioned that one. So they do their own little exchanges down there. Yeah, they're all under the same roof together. That came out way back when Judge Shack was putting out stuff. He had looked mm-hmm. and found it was like eight companies all residing at the same address in Florida. Uh, right. there's, there's a group of them also in Texas. But I recently sent in my rescission letter to an actual physical address for Aquin in Florida, not one of their P.O. boxes, because I want to make sure it gets to an entity who will sign the thing. Oh, oh, Greg quoted that address. He knows that one by heart. Yeah, but what we did is we did not send it to Florida. We sent it to the lawyers. Hmm. Well, now you know that service to one is service to all per the Dodd-Frank rule. So right. it doesn't matter which entity you send it to as long as it's one of the ones involved with the deal. So well, I would send it to the stupidest one in the bunch and the one that's least likely to be able to get their shit together, and that is Aquin. Yes. So that's where I sent it. It'll take them a week to read the letter. <laughs> You know, the big thing is, is too, once a rescission has gone in, whether they've acknowledged it or not, the fact that it's been in, it's mailed and it's in there, they're trying to bank off of a note, a promissory note that is no longer valid. That's right. It keeps you from going into foreclosure. And then, of course, I'm thinking in terms of what happens in bankruptcy, because Greg made a very good point that in bankruptcy court, the judge actually is trying to protect the debtor, help the debtor, get the deal straightened out. Now, I've heard other horror stories about bankruptcy court. Uh, A recent one I just read that you guys may have read about the judge didn't recognize the Jezinoski 
uh, deal. But um, uh, the other thing that I saw about bankruptcy was that you put the your house uh, or the debt as unsecured. Yes, yes. You don't put it as secure, secured. Right. Not. That's exactly right. So I may be experimenting with that down the road. And that has to do with um, the trustee of the bankruptcy court. In our case, it's Timothy Brannigan here over in Greenbelt um, for the federal. But um, I don't know. As one of who I don't know who was on when I first came on, but he made this statement at the end when many people went off, and he said, "Don't be afraid of bankruptcy. Be, in bankruptcy court, they have to prove proof of claim." That's right. You have a better chance in bankruptcy court as long as you get a decent judge, of course. This horror story I read was with some terrible judge who didn't recognize Jezinoski. My question to you guys out there is, if you get a bad deal in bankruptcy court, is there a way to appeal that? Yes. Okay. You can? Okay, that's good to know. Yes, bankruptcy well, court is appealable. Uh, American jurisprudence, it's always appealable. This is why you never sign any agreements that are called arbitration, because they're not appealable. Oh, like mediation and things like that. Well, mediation, yeah. You don't sign their documents either, because they've changed all their little fine print stuff. Well, that means we're not going to be doing any more mediations, I guess. Well, you can, you know what, just sometimes what we... with my group that we deal with, you can go to mediation, pay your $50, for example. You have your check to say that you went, you're you're compliant, you're working with the system, so to speak, but that doesn't mean I have to sign your documents. And you and so then they want to say that you didn't go because you didn't sign. No, I went. Here's my receipt. I went. Whether or not I sign your documents, that's not that's not mandatory. That's up to me. Okay. Uh You know, we play their game, you know? Oh, absolutely. That's why we send in a rescission letter to the dumbest one of the bunch, and that's it. (laughs) Because it's all a shell game. It's all a game. Yes, it is. But it's it's the person, the, the, the people in the whole chain of title that get the biggest screwing is the homeowner. Well, the homeowner's the last one. They're in the dark. They're supposed to be in the dark. Yes, and they, they made us sign documents at the closing that were all screwed up, too. Well, that's where it all began, because they just slotted you in. Yes. Well, and they, everybody, we are we are now at an hour. Okay. Okay. Um, last call for new topics or review of more topics? Um, if Scott were on the phone, he he had a really good, and he may have said this before, but he was talking about he called Deutsche Bank. And he had conversations with their people, and they were very nice. And um, they're no longer, quote, involved, and they're not a trust. And how he explained it was very good. So I wish you were on the phone, but he's not. Next well, time. maybe we can get him next time again. I I forgot to call him, and I, I owe him an apology. So we'll see what he has to say. He has, a, he has a job. I don't, you know, Unlike a lot of the rest of us, don't have regular jobs. But uh, oh, you want to talk about a job? Doing doing these, these documents are a job. When you, you have mean, to sit down and do all these, you know, validation letter documents and, yeah, and have these a letters for- and these <laughs> certified green card receipt and stand in line and work on your own um, civil case until you can take it somewhere and then they deal with the wording. It's time consuming. Oh yes, and I have. I'm going to have a mighty bonfire at the end of it of all the pleadings and crap I have. 
Has anybody ever done an affidavit of interest? No. Where do you file? If anybody has an email, I will give. I will send one to somebody. But what it does is it 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 um, blocks and clouds the title. Oh, Meaning, I love- and so what you're doing is is you're putting what you've invested in your property monetarily in that document. Everything from um, servicing your uh, your security to your appliances, your furnace, and your changes, and your electrical box, and your receipts for. Everything, everything that's anything in your property. Interesting. Uh, I think maintenance, Greg, upkeep, everything. Greg has that's your investment in your property, and you and you've got to go get it in your Maryland land records so you can cloud your title. I'll okay. send it to anybody who wants it. Right, but the Greg has the list of people with their emails. Okay, because we don't we don't say them on the air. Absolutely, and no, we shouldn't. I will send what I have to Greg and let him forward it. How about that? That would be fabulous. Absolutely. And please put your name on it so we know who you are. Okay, I can do that. Great. And, you know, you can have my information from Greg, too. Whatever. I like to talk to people, so see what you got to say. Yeah, I mean, sometimes, you, you know, just doing all this paperwork stuff just gets to be kind of... I mean, you need the focus to do it, but then it's like you haven't talked to a human being all day. <laughs> well, Greg and I, our eyeballs have fallen out from looking at computer screens all day. <laughs> I understand that. You know, my my eyes feel kind of weird. I know. I just found some glasses that I hadn't used, and I had gotten them specifically for, for the, the computer. computer. Right. I need to get those. I have tinted glasses that I use, but they're not enough. I mm-hmm. get eye fatigue big time. By the way, it's also just bad for your eyes and can accelerate, you know, the thing where your eyes get worse with age. Yeah, hyperopia or myopia and things like that. Yeah, some kind of opias, whatever. Uh, but it doesn't feel good. Well, my last comment before we hang up is get organized. <laughs> go back go back to where you get. try to find every darn piece of paper that you ever had regarding your house from the very time you bought it all the way up to today. Mm-hmm. Try to find all of it and scan it into your computer and start organizing And send it, it to yourself. Terms, <laughs> you know, more, I was just saying to put it all into the list chronologically. You know, I started scanning my documents and my court files and things like that. And not unlike them, I'm not shredding my paperwork. Like right. They did when they scanned in the notes. But, however, because they're trying to break into people's property and stuff like that, keep your stuff, get your stuff in the system and send it to yourself. Oh, good point. Although here in South Carolina, there are extremely draconian laws for breaking and entering, and they they haven't done that here. Well, just you know, you just never know. And if you know that all of your quote paperwork, like in dealing with this, I've gone through all of my files. This is another big job. When my yep. kids were in the house and stuff, I have all their um, medical documents from school and from their taxes and from their activities and from their doctors and all of that kind of stuff. Yep. I've had to. to just sit and shred bags and bags and bags of stuff, and then I think I'm going to throw a box out. 
and something says, look in that box. And I find their tax returns in the box from where they went and, you know, applied for a FASA and things like that. I can't chance having, you know, them have identity theft because their information is in my property. Yeah, I see what you mean. So it's not just um, the fact that, yeah, they're going to break in and seize your property and change your locks. All that paperwork, all your medical stuff, all those tests that you've run um, for whatever, dyslexia, ADHD on your kids, whatever it is, you know, that's money you've you've put out, and and they're going to trash it. And then they're going to use whatever's on it if they can find a social security number, and you're going to have identity theft. Right. Well, most of us have already had identity theft. At some level. But, I mean, at this point, you know, it's just it's just so many documents. Yes, it is. It's ridiculous. I have monstrous amounts of paper. I'm going to have a giant bonfire celebration at the end of this in my backyard. By the way, okay. keep an eye on the time. All right? Okay, I'm going to put some documents. I'm going to forward them to Greg, and Greg can forward them to anybody who wants them. Okay, and I, I will send you a reply, okay? Yes. What is your name? Right. My name is Eva. Uh, okay, Eva. Okay. There's an N in front of that. Yes. It's Neva. It's like Geneva without the J. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. If anyone, All right. Well, good night, another, everybody. A reminder, a reminder, if anybody wants to go and read what was posted on the chat board, uh, you use chatgrabber.com, and you can go in there and just put in the number of the call, 139335, and the date, and you can then see all the things that were typed into there in terms of the links and what were posted. Okay? Yeah. Thank you. All right, All right. Good night, everybody. Well, th- thank you, everybody, for uh, uh, sharing with us tonight on the, on the show. And uh, God willing, we'll I'll be back here next Thursday. And uh, once again, happy birthday, Jezanowski. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's right. That's right. Jezanowski. All right. Well, we'll talk again. Have a good week, guys. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.